0: okay then we're just gonna we're just gonna roll okay. and god forbid whatever <laughs> i'll figure it out what is going on everyone today is officially the first buffalo bills victory monday podcast let's go my name is grace Curtolo, and this is the she's got balls podcast episode number 12. I am so pumped today, we have a great show for you this week, and we are going to be talking playoff basketball, hockey, tennis, the NFL kickoff, and this week we have a fellow Buffalonian again who is only 18 years old, Maddie Eberhard on the U.S. sled hockey women's developmental program and is a para rower competing in the Olympic trials for this year. Before we jump into Maddie, we have to catch up on all the games from last week and what going to be going on this week. Starting the game recaps off from last week. Of course, we have to start with the NFL. Football is officially back in on Thursday. We had the kickoff to the season in Kansas City against the Texans one of only two games last week that had fans at the games. The Chiefs and young superstar QB Patrick Mahomes beat the Texans 34-20. to The most iconic thing about return to football during a pandemic was seeing the Kansas City head coach trying to use a face shield that was getting all fogged up. At first, it looked like such a great idea to use a shield instead of a mask, But then with all of the spitting and fog and condensation it was creating, he didn't even have to hide his mouth when calling plays because it was so foggy. And on Sunday with the NFL games and Cam Newton's first game as the New England quarterback, they beat the Miami Dolphins 21 to 11. And with Tom Brady's first game as a Tampa Bay Buck, with Rob Gronkowski and his return from football, did not have as well the happy ending. They lost to New Orleans Saints twenty-three to twenty-four. The question of the week now is going to be: Is Tom Brady era over? Will he be able to bounce back from a loss in the first game? But keyword there first. So I think he's going to be okay, considering we still have so many more games to go in baseball. The Chicago Cubs, Alex Mills tossed a no-hitter against Milwaukee Bucks last week, and this was his second no-hitter of the season. In the NBA bubble down in Orlando, Florida, the LA Lakers beat the Houston Rockets to lock a spot into the Western Conference Finals. So now we are waiting to see who will win in order to compete against them. On the women's side over in Bradenton, Florida, last week they wrapped up regular season play. And also last week was the U.S. Open in tennis down in New York, and they wrapped it up. The winner for the men's singles was Dominic Thiem after coming back losing the first two sets. And I'm so freaking pumped that Naomi Osaka won the women's singles. So happy for her. Next, we're going to sprinkle in some pregame deets for our first Monday night football game tonight or Monday, September 14th. We are going to wrap up week one with two games starting at 710 Eastern Standard Time. On Thursday, there will be the Ohio Battle at 820 Eastern Time with the Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bengals. Every week, I'm going to try to mention what games you'll actually see fans. And so for this week, we have three games that you'll see fans in the stands. 13,000 fans will be at the Dolphins game on Sunday hosting the Buffalo Bills. The Cleveland Browns Stadium will have a 10% capacity or 6,000 fans hosting the Bengals on Thursday night. And the Indianapolis Colts will host the Vikings for their home opener with only 2,500 fans. That is going to be an up-close and personal game. And I wonder, with only 2,500 fans or even just 6,000, who the heck gets to be that fan in the stands? Is it only season ticket holders, or is it just the ones that have all the money? I'm not even sure if the players' families are counted in that number. For the NBA this week, we have Game 7 for the LA Clippers and the Denver Nuggets this Tuesday, September 15th at 9 p.m. Eastern. And whoever wins this Game 7 will play the Lakers for the Western Conference Finals. And before the game at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, it will be Game 1 of the Boston Celtics and Miami Heat series for the Eastern Conference title. On the ladies' side with the WNBA, playoffs officially kick off today on Monday, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. Now that the U.S. Open for tennis is over, this week we are going to have the U.S. Open for golf. They're starting their practice rounds early this week and will tee off on September 17th in New York. The PGA Tour actually also concluded this past week at the Tour Championship. And the PGA Tour has to pat themselves on the back for a three-month tour going Following the pandemic shutdown, and they were able to get through it all. So good job, PGA, on that. And the NHL Conference Finals will finish this week so we can find the two teams to compete in the Stanley Cup Finals. And that's all we got for the pregame details. A lot going on though right now and some pretty big games. Now we're going to introduce Maddie Everhard. She is such a sweetie, only 18 years old from Buffalo, New York. She is just starting her freshman year at Canisius College. And she also is going to talk a little bit about her amazing story with sexual harassment and U.S. slot hockey and how she handled that situation. So let's welcome Maddie Everhard. All right, and now we have Maddie on. Maddie, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you. So, we have another fellow Buffalonian on here, and I am so excited about that. Are you pumped to watch? Well, this would be airing after the Bills game. But are you a big Bills fan?
1: Yeah, I'm a Bills fan, but I'll actually be working. So Working? Yeah.
0: In what way working? Like athletically working or Uh, actual work? uh,
1: Actual work. Yeah, I work at a pizzeria. So we'll be pretty busy.
0: (gasps) Oh, man, you will be busy. Wait, so you are a superstar athlete and working at a pizzeria. That will keep you humble, especially because you are 18 years old, so young and so accomplished. It's crazy. You have a few different sides to your story and journey. So I'm gonna try and touch on a few different things. So Maddie, you now were born with a condition with your legs. Can you explain a little bit about what it was like growing up and how your parents knew and handled it?
1: Yeah. So when I was born I actually was diagnosed with a disability called Larson syndrome. So it meant that all of the joints in my hips down were dislocated at birth. Um, so I had to undergo surgeries and castings and wore braces um, for my entire life and still do now um, just to help with walking. But I'd say my life is pretty normal other than that when I was younger.
0: Nice. And I noticed those braces, they almost look like ACL. Is it similar to those kind of braces?
1: Yeah, they're actually like the same exact model that they would use on football players when they get injured. Right. all the time.
0: Yeah. So is it the same exact brace? Yeah. Oh, so you could just Oh, because you look like a superstar athlete toward two ACLs and you're just still trying to play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's not really the case. Oh, interesting. Gotcha. So growing up, you were playing sports still. And how was that doable with the syndrome?
1: Uh, Yeah. So I used to play t-ball um, when I was like younger. I kind of got into it, but I kind of noticed like it wasn't really going to be for me. Um, and that's when I got into adaptive sports, which my initial go at sports was sled hockey. Uh, I've been playing that since I was eight. And then I began rowing during like my sophomore year of high school.
0: And how did you get into rowing?
1: Uh, I had a hockey coach that actually he recommended like rowing. It was a huge collegiate sport. Um, and he wanted me to look into other avenues other than just sled hockey, seeing that I had a lot of potential in sports.
0: That's awesome. So right now you're do are you doing both sled hockey and rowing?
1: Yeah, I'd say with COVID, it's, everything's kind of on a pause. Um, but I'm still training for rowing, um, every week. And then hockey's on a little bit of a pause, but still trying to like, do workouts with my team and stuff like that over zoom.
0: Gotcha. So now when you started at sled hockey, did you even have the chance or do you have the ability to try regular hockey?
1: So I used to do skating, um, in Buffalo, there's a program called Saba. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but, um, it does help kids with like disabilities, mainly like mental, a lot of them, um, But it taught me how to skate. And I did it like on the weekends as a kid. But I knew I was never really going to be able to play hockey. Just like the contact aspect of it, it would be really hard for me. So that's when I got into sled hockey. And yeah, it was really cool, like being able to play with kids my age that also shared a disability in common. And yeah, it was a lot of fun when I started.
0: That's so fun. And when you started sled hockey, was it co-ed?
1: Yeah, sled hockey is co-ed at the club level. So currently right now I'm the only girl on my team um, because it's mainly based off of like skill. That's how the teams are selected. Not so much gender.
0: Do you like that? I feel like that would be really cool. Hopefully it wasn't too big of an issue being the only girl or did you love it? Was it nice?
1: I like it. Yeah. Um. I've known like most of these players since I was younger. So I've like been playing sled hockey for 10 years. So I've kind of grown up with them. Um. So yeah, I like it.
0: Wow, that's awesome. And how serious were you about getting on to the you're on the US national teams development? Program, right? So, how did you have the opportunity to get there? You said you play at a club level on a Buffalo team as well?
1: Yes. Uh, Yeah. So, the women's national team had come to Buffalo for like a a border series against Canada. And this was when I was too young to actually try out for the team. You had to be 13. Um, But I went out and practiced with the team. The coach had let me come out there for a few skates. And she had suggested that I come to the tryouts when I was old enough to play. Um, and so, yeah, that's when I did. I went out to Maine when I was 13 and made the team then.
0: And you are the youngest on the team, correct? Because you can only be 13. Yeah. Wow. So I was reading an article because you were so young and you had to actually be like escorted in the airport and everything. Was that embarrassing or was it just kind of funny to have to do?
1: Kind of funny. It got a little hard to keep up with because you had to like walk with them and they had to like sign you off and have like a, a parent meet you and stuff like that. So
0: I think that's so funny because you are like wearing red, white and blue. But anyways, so you're absolutely crushing it at slot hockey and you get introduced to rowing. Was that something you wanted to fully pursue or did you want to try and continue to do both
1: um I'm definitely balancing both um I love sled hockey and rowing pretty much equally um and sled hockey has just been kind of a huge part of my life ever since I was younger but yeah rowing I started when I was a sophomore in high school and I didn't really get like super serious about it until kind of going like my junior senior year um, because I didn't really know the opportunities that were going to be available for me
0: that's awesome. And you, now you are a freshman in college. You're at Canisius College back home in Buffalo. How are you? Well, now it's online, correct? Are you doing everything online?
1: I have kind of a hybrid schedule. So. A little bit hybrid. So how is
0: it going so far, even though your schedule isn't in full force, but how is it trying to juggle college, first year, U.S. sled hockey, and now rowing?
1: Um, The practices for both sports are kind of like here and there, um, just because of how COVID has kind of put everything back, but I'm practicing in the morning for rowing and, uh, we're looking into a hockey season. It hasn't really started yet. That's kind of on a pause. So the balance is good. It's a little hard to adjust to in the first few weeks, but
0: that's good. And with the rowing, you started also kind of like sled hockey at the club level. Now, is that in the Paralympics is rowing?
1: Rowing is, yes.
0: Men and women are in all the Olympics, but Paralympics only has men's sled hockey. Yes. Right. Okay. So with rowing, are you on the Olympic path already too at 18? Or what's your status in the rowing world?
1: Yeah, for rowing, um, my partner, his name's Isaac French. Um, we were actually planning on going to the trials this year because the Tokyo Paralympics were this summer. Um, so those though have got pushed to 2021 um, but yeah we're still planning on heading to the trials for those.
0: Wow and this is your this would be your first time going to the rowing trials?
1: Uh, yeah for the Paralympics.
0: Did you ever think that when you started to row you were already on in the developmental program for slot hockey did you ever think holy cow I can actually get that far but on the rowing side?
1: Um, I honestly didn't really know like what it had in store. Um, I kind of joined it as like with some friends and just like a way to stay in shape too in like the off season for hockey, but I did not know that like it could lead to another Paralympic career. That
0: is so cool. Is there any Paralympic athletes out there that are more than one sport?
1: Yeah, actually, it kind of does cross over a lot. Like a lot of athletes will have a summer and like a winter sport.
0: Now, with rowing and even sled hockey, is there anything that you wish that could be? Maybe more seen or have people more educated about in comparison to say say with the regular rowing because you from a visual standpoint it it looks the same.
1: Yeah, I'd say one of the major differences between the the two like aspects of the sport are that for para rowing there's three different classification levels um, depending on the severity of somebody's disability. So,
0: oh. yeah,
1: there's, like, one section of rowing for para-rowing that would be you just use your arms. Um, and then there's one that's you use your, like, upper body and your arms, which is the one that I'm in. And then there's another one that you use your legs, body, and arms. And then more f- are for people that, like, are blind or, um, like, things like... Their full abled body. Pretty much, yeah. Like, some slight disability um, in their legs, but...
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. And then, so there's three different classes. That makes sense. And then with sled hockey that it's just, just the one class, right? Because you have your legs and then there's amputees also.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's all thrown into one sport.
0: Do you ever hear maybe backlash or negativity towards this? This is just a pure, I have no idea because you do have your, you're not in a wheelchair. You have your legs and you're walking So is there any, not backlash, but Mm -hmm. questioning of, well, she probably has a leg up, not literally and figuratively (laughs) that you have a leg up that you maybe have better opportunities or skill level?
1: Yeah. So there is like a classification process for sports, like for adaptive sports that, um, they're like fit, trained physical therapists and other doctors that assess like your ability to compete in adaptive sports. Um, but I'd say that there are disadvantages and advantages to having your legs um, because they're like amputees are necessarily they're going to automatically be faster than if they had their legs because they're pushing less body weight. So there are like some advantages like for having your legs. It's easier to hit people because you have like more like. So, yeah, there's like their advantages and disadvantages.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, that wow, that yeah, that's a good point. That's interesting. And um before we wrap this up, you came out with an unbelievable article on one of my favorites, The Athletic. It came out in June this year, so during all this craziness, the article was released about your experience with US slot hockey and how there are some sexual harassment allegations going on between you and another sled hockey player and you guys were only 16 years old or so can you walk us through a little bit how you decided to come out into the public and say you know this is what happened and it wasn't just a one time thing
1: yeah Um, So mainly the basis of the story was that there was a um, player that we decided to um, not name him in the article, Um, but then there was the general manager of the team that we did decide to name. And it it was mainly, the article was mainly about him and the story of me, my teammate, and the manager, um, and just kind of the experience that we went through. Um, It lasted throughout the entire season from the 2018-2019 season. And kind of after everything had happened, um, I decided to go to the media with it, seeing a few articles that had been released by The Athletic about some other sexual abuse allegations within USA Hockey. Um, And I kind of just wanted to help the organization work towards making like a safer environment for the athletes, because I know that safe sport is a huge part of that, but kind of leading just USA Hockey in general to Um, a safer place for its athletes
0: that's amazing and do you feel that since I mean it it, it is still a little fresh the article do you feel that USA hockey is moving forward
1: uh yeah right I mean right after that I got in contact with some of the players on the women's national hockey team um some pretty big names in the sport like Hillary Knight, Megan Duggan, um, Julie Chu just to name a few um and i did talk to them and set up some zoom meetings with them and the president of usa hockey and usa disabled hockey to kind of talk to them more about how i felt and kind of what i could see in the future changing things so
0: that's awesome and you also mentioned that safe sport i've never heard of that before is it within usa hockey specifically or what exactly is safe sport
1: um safe sport was kind of created really after um Everything happened with USA Gymnastics, so it's kind of a large organization that was created to for athletes to go to if they experience stuff like this.
0: Wow, and how was your experience using this? I mean, you said that at first you went there for a teammate, focusing on that more. Was it productive?
1: Yeah, it um, it definitely, they directly go with USA Hockey and they kind of give them more of like a guidance and tell them like what the suspension is going to be. and just kind of then have their own private investigation after that. So
0: Gotcha. Is SafeSport under the Olympic Committee or is that a separate organization, do you know?
1: They're separate.
0: You go to SafeSport and the general manager knows that you go to Safe Sport for your teammate, and so disgusting, it, it just boggles my mind. It makes me so mad that he was there to support you and help you through this, and in the end, that was just his way of getting in with you and your teammate, of creating this friendship at first as it starts, and then it becomes more inappropriate. When did you realize that, okay, this isn't anymore just him supporting us. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. um, I talked about it a lot in the article as well, but it was kind of in the months of like April of 2019. um, I kind of had to sit down with my teammate and talk to her for a while about it. And we just kind of shared some of like our experiences individually with each other and just kind of decided like, when you hear something from somebody else that raises red flags, it's way easier to, like, acknowledge it than if it's happening to you. Um, so hearing each other's stories helped both of us. So
0: it was two separate stories. Did you Were you aware that it was going on with the other girl as well?
1: Um, A little bit, but definitely not as in-depth as, like, it actually was.
0: There was a piece in there that he got you guys matching bracelets. Mm-hmm. That just really threw me over the edge, the matching (laughs) brace. And that's not something to laugh at, but it was just like more of a, oh
1: my. After a while. Yeah. You begin to laugh about like,
0: are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, the article is absolutely amazing. And thank you so much for sharing that story because and opening up about it, because like you said, it it is so important for not only U S hockey to recognize it, but also, other athletes and non-athletes to hear people share their story and how they handle the situation. I think that, you know, everyone's time frame is different on reporting, but as long as you are reporting, that's what is most important. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And what is your plan for right now and continuing to train? You're going to try and go back to the trials for para rowing with your, are you just in, you just said, it was like a two people or a double. Yeah. I I was working on the rowing terminology with Emily. I'm a little (laughs) rusty, but so you guys are going to go to the Olympic trials for that. And then is there any status with the slot hockey?
1: USA hockey released their um, situation and updates on tryouts. They're just having kind of a committee select the teams for this year. Um, And then, yeah, by the end of this year, hopefully we're hoping to have um, some trials or camps and get together.
0: Nice. Well, good luck and also good luck in your freshman year of college. Hopefully you'll be able to get somewhat of a fun experience soon. Thank you. Thank you so much again, Maddie, for jumping on with us. I am sure that your pizza job was very busy with the home opener for the Buffalo Bills. And once again, congratulations on all of your success so far. And man, do you have so much to come in the future. If you are interested in reading that full article by The Athletic of Maddie's Story, it will be linked in the description. And now we are going to go around the leagues to see what news is going on with the return to play and league updates. Starting off with some football, the Seahawks Falcon game on Sunday In the first kickoff of the game when Seattle kicker kicked it. If you didn't see it, no one moved. Every player from both teams on the field took a knee for a moment in order to show their support for the Black Lives Matter movement. In so many games across this first week, you saw teams linking arms or not even coming out from the locker room for the National Anthem, or if they were already on the field, they actually made an effort to leave and return to the locker room so they would not be on the field for the National Anthem. A lot of games they also played, Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is the song unofficially known as the Black national anthem. In MLB, the Minnesota Twins' Sergio Romo was suspended after jawing a Cleveland Indians player, superstar Francisco Lindor on Saturday's game. I don't know why you would ever hit Francisco Lindor. He has the best, perfect, lovely smile. On Sunday, an MLB game actually had to be delayed after an armed standoff Outside the stadium. The first pitch between the Kansas City Royals and Pittsburgh Pirates got delayed, thankfully, only 30 minutes after a standoff between police and an armed man at the Truman Sports Complex where the Kansas City Chiefs and Royals both play two handguns, and a knife were recovered from the suspect. The standoff lasted more than six hours. Thank you so much for that police department on not using lethal devices like they said, even though he did have a gun, and holy cow, lasting six hours. But most importantly from the story, that everyone was okay and safe. In the WNBA, they are officially in playoff mode. Eight of the 12 teams have moved forward. The first and second round of this postseason playoffs for the WNBA will be single elimination rounds. So the first and second round is just going to be one game. The four teams that got knocked out are Dallas, Atlanta, Indiana, and New York. And the team that came in first is the Las Vegas Aces. In tennis with the U.S. Open, finishing up this past week, I once again am so happy that Naomi Osaka... Oh, and this isn't her first U.S. Open win. She's only 19, but this is her second win. And if you didn't know, for the seven matches she did play in, she wore seven different masks standing up for social justice, and it was seven different names of different victims of racial injustice and police brutality what's really interesting though she's not saying or doing anything crazy she's just making a statement in the tennis world that maybe wasn't around before if you didn't see the video when she won the u.s open this past weekend and they asked her what kind of impact or what was the message she was saying in wearing these masks she flipped it right back and said well what kind of message Should it send? What kind of message do you see it as? And just twisting that into a question of how do you view it was so powerful. Like she said, it's just making people think and be aware of the injustice and the current situation in this country. So, so pumped for her once again. Congratulations on the title. And we're going to wrap up the league updates with the NHL. We are down to the final four in each conference. We are currently sitting at series being 3-2-1. Right now Dallas is leading the Vegas Knights and Tampa Bay is leading the Islanders. So we will soon find out, so we will soon find out who will be the two teams to compete in the Stanley Cup playoffs out in Edmonton, Canada. Before we let you guys go, as always, we are going to end with a hoot and a holler and a sports content feature of the week. For this week's hoot and a holler, we have a little bit of a combination here. For the aftermath of the hurricane, Laura hitting out in Louisiana, the New Orleans Saints, the NFL Foundation, and the NBA, New Orleans Pelicans pledge a $500,000 donation to provide relief to victims of the hurricane as it is the most powerful storm to hit the state in more than a century. The Saints and Pelicans are right now working with the Red Cross of Louisiana, the Community Foundation of the Southwest Louisiana, and Feeding Louisiana, according to the press release. Those different groups also received money from this past week's game against the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Saints had a virtual 50-50 raffle in order to support this hurricane relief. And this week's sports content feature of the week is Any given Sunday. It is a two and a half hour movie from 1999, and I watched it on my Saturday night alone on the couch, dog sitting. And mind you, I didn't have anything to do. However, for me, a two and a half hour movie is very long. It is really good, though, and it is fictional. So it's about the Miami Sharks, a football team dealing with their quarterback being hurt and trying to handle this third-string nobody quarterback who all of a sudden becomes a big shot and how to handle when the other quarterback returns Who Should Play? So it's a fun, lighthearted sports movie if you have two and a half hours to watch. And it has so many classic characters in it, including Jim Brown, of course, as one of the assistant coaches. And yeah, just a good old classic fashion football movie from the 90s. And that's a wrap for this week. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Subscribe and follow She's Got Balls Podcast on Instagram. Please leave a review on iTunes Podcast or with the link in the description. Also, make sure you are sharing this podcast with all of your family and friends. Follow us on Instagram at She's Got Balls Podcast. And be sure to follow my personal pages at Grace Curitolo on TikTok and Instagram. Make sure you guys crack open a cold one for me. Watch some sports and have an amazing week. Ciao, ciao.